Good morning, New Life. There I am. <laughs> um, welcome. My name is Sharon Swift. I'm the pastor of Connections and Equipping here at New Life. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to those of you joining us online. And if you're a first-time visitor, I will be down in the lobby after service. Would love to shake your hand and greet you personally. We're so glad that you are here. Um, before I get into our text for today and dig into the message, I do want to give a little time to one announcement that's really important for our congregation. Um, our congregation has been going for 35 years, if you can believe it or not. Amen? That's a beautiful thing. Worth celebrating. Now, part of the reason we've been able to do this work this long in the way that we have is because we have had a board of elders that have supported and guided and stewarded this congregation for years. And it is time, it is that time of year where we start to ask for elder board nominations. Um, our elders um, carry some very significant parts of the leadership of this church. A lot of their work kind of goes unseen, but they provide oversight and support to Pastor Rich as he leads our congregation as the lead pastor. Um, but they also oversee resources, our building, our budget, um, hiring. They do a lot of that oversight. And then they also provide us um, as a provide a body of discernment as we navigate difficult spiritual issues that are concerning our congregation and our world. And so they carry a lot of um, authority and weight, but they do so very humbly and um, with the guidance of the Spirit. And so this is the time of year where we're looking for nominations. Elders serve for uh, six years, and so we have uh, some elders that will be stepping off, and we are looking for nominations from you for people who can step into that role. And so there's a whole process for how we, uh, how we call an elder to the position, but it starts with nominations. Who in the congregation, as you think of people rooted here at New Life, have a maturity and a, a deep life of being with God out of which they, they act and they serve? Um, we're not looking for perfection. There is no such thing. But we are looking for people with that deep um, abiding and consistent faith in God. Um, we are looking for those names and these then will be kind of reviewed, and there'll be a process of discernment, and then we will call forth an elder, and we'll let you know when that happens, when a new elder is installed. Um, but right now, if you are thinking of someone or a name comes to you, we would love for you to email uh, our elder board and submit a name for consideration. Um, it, this church uh, does not do the work it, do, it can do without our elder board, and so I hope that you'll prayerfully consider who you can maybe uh, ask to step into that role or suggest to step into that role. Um, so we can do that, right? Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you all for uh, riding with me on that announcement. And so we're going to go ahead and get into our series, um, The Holy Spirit, The Radically Accessible Presence of God. We've been exploring what does it mean for us to have the gift of the Holy Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit working around us and within us. And so um, I'm really excited for the text today. I'm going to be talking about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. And, um, and you know, this is a, a, a topic that's really been on my heart lately uh, as I have conversations with many of you throughout the congregation. Um, I think of it kind of like, when I think about spiritual gifts and how to explain it, uh, or how we often approach it, I think about buying a bottle of wine. Uh, I like wine, I like red wine, I like Malbecs in particular, but that is basically the, the, the uh, 
the limit of my knowledge about wine, okay? I don't know a lot. And so when I go into a wine shop, they often have these little cards kind of telling you some of the, the attributes of the different wines. And, you know, I often wish I had taken a class or something on it because they have all these terms like, you know, oaky and, you know, spicy notes and, you know, um, fruity finish and things like that. <laughs> I don't know what any of those things really mean. I just know that, you know, I kind of stare at them every time, like somehow by osmosis I'm going to learn something about wine. Um, but ultimately I just buy something in my budget, you know, $10, and if I like it, I buy it again. You know, that's how I go. Um, but I think sometimes we treat... Uh, spiritual gifts like that. I know I used to. I used to look at the descriptions of the, the spiritual gifts like I looked at those descriptions of the wines. And I'm hoping that maybe somehow I will decode what's written there and know what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to serve and how the Holy Spirit wants to use me. And I found that to be uh, a frustrating process. And uh, it never really worked for me like that. I do believe the Holy Spirit sometimes just tells us and quickens us and lets us know what our gift is. But oftentimes, it's much more of a process than that. And so what I want to do today is we talk about this scripture, I want to talk about like, yes, what are, what are the spiritual gifts? Um, what are their purpose in our lives? But I also want to talk about how do we enter into using them? How do we discover what they are and actually start using them and engaging the Holy Spirit through our gifts? And so uh, really excited to get into today's text in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, and if you have it, feel free to open there, but we'll also have it here on the screen and I will read it for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to go from verses 4 through 13. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given this, through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues." All of these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. Let's take a moment to pray. Um, Lord, I thank you for the gift of your spirit. And I thank you for the way your word helps us to understand what a gift your spirit really, really is. And so God, I ask that your spirit would be at work here in our midst that you would illuminate your word for us, that you would stir our gifts within us, that you would stir a hunger for, to discern what they are and to use them, God. And that you would um, encourage and empower us for the things that you have for us, to the places you want to take us. 
Guide us, lead us, teach us, Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, Before I get really into the text, I do want to give you a little background on the Corinthian church because there are a couple of elements here that I think we can really identify with. Um, This church is actually marked by kind of two big things here, diversity and division. And I think some of us can relate to that when we look at the United States church. You know, there's diversity, but there's also a lot of division that we're experiencing See, the the church here in Corinth is being so highly influenced by the culture around it. And I think we can all understand how easy that is for that to happen. Highly influenced and shaped by the culture around it. So much so that what was happening within the church was an exact mirror of what was happening outside of the church. There was no difference. The socioeconomic divides that existed in the world around them were present not only in the church, but even in the taking of communion, it was present. And so Paul is taking time here to address this because here's the thing, they had the appearance of unity and oneness because hey, they were gathering together, right? They were technically a church, they attended services together, but they weren't actually working together and caring for each other. Their unity was kind of shallow. They were one in Christ, they were following Christ at least, but they weren't mature in their faith so that their working and care for each other wasn't one and unified. And so we might feel some of this, maybe not for the same reasons of immaturity, but as we progress through this pandemic and we've been isolated for so long, we might relate to some of that challenge. That we're gathering again, yes, we're here in the room, we're online, but the chance to really connect and collaborate still takes work. We're still figuring that out. How do we really re-engage more deeply with each other in community? And so even though the reasons might be different, I think we can relate to that challenge that they're having. And so we see that Paul is trying to address this problem of unity and of oneness, that they're separated and they're, they're being shaped more by the culture than by the Spirit of God. And so what does he point to to help them mature to that place? And in the chapter before this, he's talking about communion, and then we get to this chapter, and he points to spiritual gifts. He points to spiritual gifts as a way forward. Now, what are our spiritual gifts? Well, there are unique abilities given to each of us by the Holy Spirit to build up the church. Now, I don't mean just literally in the sanctuary. I mean the body of Christ in all places. And so it might be serving inside the sanctuary and it might be outside of it. But these are not just skills. These, they might be similar. They might overlap with our skills, but they're not necessarily the same. They're distinct Because when we use our our spiritual gifts, we are partnering with the Holy Spirit who gives us special sensitivity, special insight that goes beyond human skill. This is a way that he amplifies our work and our contribution and makes us especially effective in building up the kingdom of God. That's what makes it different than just our set of skills. And so not, no one has all the gifts. Uh, let me just be clear about that. But everyone has at least one. And you might find you have two or even three. And they're distributed throughout the body. And just like the church in Corinth, 
Part of our maturing in Christ is using the gifts that God has sprinkled all throughout our congregation, but also in celebrating and relying on the gifts of others in the church. We're interdependent, working together, collaborating, guided by the Holy Spirit to build the kingdom of God. It is a powerful thing. And so what are some key takeaways from this passage? What can we know from this passage about our spiritual gifts that we need to know to move forward? Well, one, using our spiritual gifts is a significant way that the Spirit of God matures us. This is a significant way that the Holy Spirit matures us. Think about how powerful it is that you have a spiritual gift. This is a space that the Holy Spirit has customized to be at work in you and through you. And even when someone else has the same gift as you, it will never be expressed in an identical way because God designed you with a unique personality, with a unique set of skills, with unique life experiences. You were planted in a unique place and time and geography. And so the gift that comes out in you is going to be unlike anyone else who has ever existed in the whole of the world. Not just the 7 billion people on earth now, but from the beginning of time. There is something unique in you that God wants to collaborate to do in the world. And it is for you to do it in your unique way. There is something particular about the expression of that gift. This is a powerful thing. This is a unique place that the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life and through your life. This is not a small thing. This is about our formation. This is about our growth. This is a place where God shapes us. And it is specifically designed for you by the Holy Spirit. This is a powerful thing. Pastor Pete, who was here this morning, I'm going to quote him. He loved to say, you are unrepeatable. You are unrepeatable. There is something in you that God is desiring to invite you to step out into and bless our congregation with. It is not an accident that you are here. It is not an accident that there is something unique within you. And so even when you are using these gifts, you lean in and you learn how to use them. You start listening to the leading of the Spirit. You start to grow in using your gifts. You start to stretch your capacity to, use your, to hear the voice of the Spirit and the, the promptings of the Spirit. You are going to find yourself growing in ways you could not anticipate. You're going to grow through your mistakes and through your successes. You're going to grow through those moments when you're serving and you're frustrated. And you're going to grow through the moments when you're serving and you're able to celebrate and you see breakthrough. All of those places, the Spirit is at work doing something unique through you and in you. This is a powerful thing, the Spirit of God giving us spiritual gifts. Now, the second thing I want to remind you of is that there's a lot of diversity in these gifts. See, Paul highlights here very carefully that, yes, there's diversity. There's a lot of gifts, and there's diversity in our body. There's a lot of different people in the room with a lot of different backgrounds. And yet, the Spirit is one. 
And he is working through us to build that oneness as we serve. It might seem counterintuitive because we're all using different gifts in different ways. And yet the spirit is synchronizing that work in a way that we cannot comprehend, that no human could orchestrate, so that it is more effective, that he is amplifying the work, so that he is doing things that are way beyond what we could do alone. This is the power of the Spirit building unity while we use our gifts. One thing I want to show you from the passage is how this is even built into the language that Paul uses. First, he highlights a lot of the ways that there's diversity, right? So we see a lot of words um, in this slide on, uh, there we go, Um, variety, right? Variety of gifts, variety of services, variety of activities, all of them and everyone. And then on the next slide, oh, and he also says various kinds of things. All of these, many members, all the members, many, many, right? We see that over and over. But what he emphasizes even more is the oneness that results. And so if we go to the next slide, we see how many times he emphasizes the same spirit, the same Lord, the same God, the spirit, the spirit, the same spirit, this one spirit. And if we go into the next slide, we even see it again, one and the same spirit. The body is one. We are one body, one spirit, one, 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 one. There is a unity and a oneness that the Holy Spirit is building in us when we enter into using our gifts. There is something unique that happens when the Spirit is orchestrating his work, kingdom work, through us as we engage him through our gifts. This is a kind of unity that the world cannot replicate. This makes the church unique from every kind of organization you could possibly join. Every civic organization, every kind of uh, group, community group, the church is different. This spirit makes us one, even in the diversity of our work and our backgrounds. Let me tell you something. I recently went hiking. I like hiking. And I had the opportunity to go hiking two days in a row, which is a real treat for me. But let me tell you, so I've been trying to get in shape. Some of you know I've been running, and so I was think, feeling pretty confident, okay, um, going into this hiking adventure. I, so my legs were doing good, but let me tell you, climbing is different than running, and I am not 20 anymore, okay? So my body was sore. Not only was I sore in my legs, there were muscles that I don't think I've ever been aware of that hiking tapped into that running never did, okay? So I was sore that way from all the climbing. But I also found I was really sore in my back. And what I figured out was um, that my, I, in all my working out, I'm not doing anything with my abdominal muscles at all. And clearly, since I gave birth 18 years ago, like, you know, they've been totally neglected. I have not done anything. They've never recovered from me having children. Uh, I've given them no attention. And, um, and so my back hurt. I was overcompensating with my legs and my back. And suddenly I became very aware of why I need abdominal muscles. Uh, so I'll be doing a lot of sit-ups. Uh, <laughs> so, but I say that to say that I realized as I neglected a part of my body, I realized it when I felt pain, when I couldn't use that part of the body, the way, when it wasn't functioning the way maybe it should be, I suddenly realized how much I needed it and how much was uh, uh, missing because I didn't have it. You might not relate to that because maybe you're not, you know, a hiker or a runner, but I know that some of you know what I mean when you think about stubbing your toe. Do you think about your toes a lot? Probably not. You know, probably the majority of the day you're not thinking about your toes until you stub one. 
And then that little thing has you writhing in pain. I mean, almost to the point of anger, right? Like it hurts so bad. And like you kind of have to catch your breath and, and can't say anything for a moment. That small part of your body, when it's in pain, when it's not functioning the way it should, suddenly it demands all your attention. Here's the thing. This is why Paul is appealing to this. He's using the language of the body to try to help us understand the oneness that God is trying to build in Christ. That we can't just neglect one part. We can't do without certain gifts. We can't do without certain expressions of that gift because the body will not function at its best. Just like the human body is, is uh, not at its optimal without all the parts, it's the same thing. It's not at its optimal best. The church can't do the things that it's uh, meant to do in the way it's meant to impact the world without the whole body doing its piece. And so each one of us needs to enter into our gifts so that we're maturing and growing in oneness as a community and that we experience that oneness in Christ. We all play an important part of that body. We all need to participate because serving is part of our formation. And so I want you to know that your spiritual gifts matter, not just for yourself, but for the church. You exercising and growing in your gifts matters to the life of the church. We cannot be everything we were meant to be without you in the arena Here's one more thing I want to highlight from this text. Yes, they were prone to division. Um, they were prone to let their diversity divide them. But the Spirit is not just growing them in unity and oneness, but also growing them in their capacity to love. This chapter is immediately followed by that famous chapter on love. And I just want to read a few of those verses to you in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand my body over so that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Here's the thing, we often make this scripture about romantic love. But this is in the context of spiritual gifts and the body of Christ, the love and the unity that God is trying to grow through the Holy Spirit in the church. And so spiritual gifts move us away from division towards unity by growing us in love. Here's the thing, when we're operating in these gifts, by the power of the Spirit, the evidence of that is going to be love, that we are growing in love, that there is love holding the body of Christ together, that what makes this community different is the abundance of love that is here through the Spirit as we engage our gifts. That's the evidence that we see the Spirit of God working through our gifts, is that we see a growth of love in us 
and a flowing of love through us. Amen? And so that's what makes us different from every kind of organization in the world and the different ways we could volunteer in any other place. This is the Spirit of God at work holding us together and doing something powerful. We are all unique individuals, uniquely made in the image of God, with unique personalities, unique skills, different uh, sets of experiences, different um, ways that we grew up, influenced by different cultures, but by one spirit. We are empowered to use our gifts, and God grows us in love and does something remarkable in and through us. This is a powerful thing, and we don't want to neglect this space that the Holy Spirit has specifically designed to be at work in our lives. And so I want to say this, if this is not clear so far, you have a gift that New Life Fellowship needs. You have a gift that New Life Fellowship needs. And now you may look around and say, all this is happening without me volunteering, it's fine. No, we are not everything we could be. We are not having all the impact that we could have without you being a part of this work. There is something powerful at work in you through the Holy Spirit, and we as the body need you to enter. And this is not a guilt thing. This is not a manipulation thing. This is an invitation to say this is an arena where the Holy Spirit is at work, and there's an invitation to join in, and we need you. If you have not heard that, please hear that from me today, that we need you to use your gift. But now how do we do this, right? I promised you we'd talk a little practically. How do we do this? Well, let me tell you something. We do have a spiritual gift assessment online, and it is a useful tool. But I do want you to know about the limitations. And by the way, we will send an email. Community Life will send an email by this Wednesday highlighting this and some, way, some of the things I'm going to mention later about how we can start using our gifts. But I want you to understand this about the spiritual gifts assessment. It's a starting point. And the challenge with the spiritual gifts assessment is um, oftentimes we use our skills from paid or unpaid work to try to figure out how God might use us. And sometimes our skills are part of um, our spiritual gifts and they overlap, and sometimes our spiritual gifts are really different than some of the primary skills we use in our day-to-day life. And so I want to think about, I want to give you an analogy to help you think about this. I want you to think about a bicycle and riding a bicycle. Think about what it's like to start riding a bicycle. If you've tried it and you haven't been able to do it, or if you remember what it was like when you first learned, um, it's not an easy thing. You know, a lot of the skills and things we do for paid work or unpaid work, we were sort of mentored in it. We maybe took some classes or got education. We got a degree or certification, and we started doing the work, right? Spiritual gifts are kind of different. We don't know until we start doing what that gift will be. It's like that with riding a bike. You know, I remember uh, trying to learn, but I was so afraid. Because here's the thing, you can't learn to ride a bike without pushing off and trying to stay balanced on that thing, right? Um, You have to risk failure. You have to risk falling. You have to risk getting a little, little, uh, you know, bump and bruise here. But you have to keep trying until you get that rhythm of staying balanced on there and you get enough momentum 
that you can keep going. And that was the thing for me. I was always so afraid of hurting myself that I would never just let go and ride and risk being hurt in the process to actually then get enough momentum to actually see it through. Um, you know, my dad would try to do the thing where he chases after me, you know, holding, and, but I never trusted him to let go because I said, I can't, I can't. I'm too afraid of what might happen if I don't stay upright. And then the other thing is that riding, you can't get to your destination, right, without some momentum, but also steering doesn't work unless you have some momentum, right? You can turn the handlebars any which way and direct it where you think you should go, but if you don't have any momentum, you're never going to get to your goal. I think both these things apply to spiritual gifts. First of all, you're going to have to risk stepping out there and trying something to get some momentum to start discerning what your gift is. Let me tell you a story from my own life. One of the places I served recently, uh, you know, my previous church, before I really entered into what my my call was and how I was best meant to serve the body of Christ. I was, uh, I knew I was like an administrator at my job. One of my main skills was organizing things and uh, I was, you know, finance director and so I knew how to organize things, set up protocols and make schedules and things like that. And so I started, they were updating all their AV uh, equipment and, uh, you know, adding all these different things. And so I thought I would step in as an administrator. I thought that was my gift because that was what I did day in and day out. And I was pretty good at it. Well, here's the thing. As I started doing that work, I started to realize, uh, and others helped me discern this, that what I was doing in that role was not administrating. I didn't have the gift of administration. What I was actually doing was functioning in the gift of shepherding, of pastoring, and it was, it's, it was a spiritually discerned thing. It's easy to miss the difference. But I was actually trying to grow them in Christ. We were having spiritual conversations, and all the work was very secondary. I was an adequate administrator, but I wasn't great because we were always having these spiritual conversations about what God was doing in their lives and interrupting it. And I'm not saying there's not a place for that. But that's where I discovered through the feedback of others that the gift that was in operation, the way the Holy Spirit was using me was not in administration. It was in shepherding. It was in pastoring. And so what did that mean? That meant that I had to start taking a risk of, of uh, stepping out of that role, letting someone with the gift of administration step in, but then to start discerning where was it best to use my gift of shepherding. And that was another journey altogether. Some of you need to start just getting out there and pedaling and trying to build momentum. And it means that you start riding that bike and you might fall. And you might say, okay, I tried this role and I learned some things, but I'm not quite there. And it might be then that you try a different role of service in the church and you do something there and you, and you take that risk and you might... You're like, this is closer, I'm, get, I'm getting the hang of this, but I'm still wobbly. And you might need that movement to start discerning. Because here's the other thing. The Spirit will lead you as you start getting momentum. When he starts turning those handlebars, because you're moving, you're going to start making progress to the place that the Spirit wants to take you. You need that momentum, you need that movement for the Spirit then to turn and to guide and to get you where you're going. Here's the thing. Some of us are here, and I know this because I've had conversations with you, and trust me, Andrew and I have been there. We've been in a place of recovery from a bad church situation. Some of you are here because you've been in a church where there was dysfunction. Maybe you have passed hurts from a church space. 
Maybe you felt manipulated into staying into a role. You might be afraid to take that step to serve here. And there is a time and place for rest, for seasons of pausing and serving to heal, to uh, manage life transitions. You might be in school and working full time, or you might have had a baby, or you might be moving. There's all kinds of reasons why we might pause for a season in serving. And at New Life, we bless that. If you need time to be before you do, we bless that at New Life. But here's my caution to you as a pastor. Don't stay in rest too long. Why is that? Because this is a place where the Holy Spirit, using your gifts is a place where the Holy Spirit is at work in you. You might think that you're continuing to protect yourself, but you're also robbing yourself of a critical space where the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. And so some of us need that sensitivity of when is it time to exit that season of rest and start transitioning back into engaging the spirit through service to not forfeit that place where the spirit is at work in you through your gifts because here's the thing we may think we're protecting ourselves but God might want to finish his healing through you as you go as you get those that momentum again riding he's going to turn those handlebars and guide you to where you need to be but you got to get some momentum again he can't steer you until you've get you start pedaling again And some of you, that's where the healing is going to come. That's where the connection is going to come. That's where the Holy Spirit is going to start blowing through your life. And so don't give up that place where the Holy Spirit is at work in you, that critical key place. Don't leave the Spirit hanging. Heal, yes. Rest, yes. But don't stay there too long. The Spirit is waiting on you. What's one more thing you can do here? I got two last things. One thing, call out the Spirit of God at work in others. Where are you seeing the Holy Spirit at work in others? Where are you seeing them using their gifts? Where is the Holy Spirit touching you through someone else? And I'm not just talking about pastors and staff. I'm talking about your small group leaders and the places in your small group where you see others being a blessing to you. Where do you see the Spirit at work when someone is greeting you and just giving you that extra word of welcome on a hard day? Where are you experiencing the Spirit of God through others? Call it out. Tell them. Share it with them. Help them discern, just like others helped me discern, just like others will help you discern. Help them to see where the Spirit is active in their life, how the Spirit of God is using them. This is the way that the Spirit will continue to speak through our congregation and continue to fan those gifts into flame so that we have the impact on the world we were meant to have. Amen? Amen. And last but not least, how can you practically start pedaling, right? Where are some ways you can start moving? Some of you are feeling this. You've been wondering about this. You've been wondering, is this something you need to do? You've been maybe hesitant or fearful. How do you start to engage? Where can you start? Let me highlight a couple of really immediate needs. And again, I will send these in an email from Community Life on Wednesday, but I want you to be thinking about this. First of all, next gen has a very big need. There's a significant need. Okay, our young people are not the church of the future. They're the church now. They need us. And right now, NextGen is asking to help uh, cover the needs over the summer as people take vacations and rotate. Um, They're asking you to pick two Sundays where you can step in 
and take a, a risk of peddling a little bit at NextGen and serving some of our youngest new lifers. Um, and so we will send you a link to register for that. But think about that. Where are two Sundays where you can step into that? The AV team and the greeters are also in need of some folks. Here's the thing. We're coming back more and more, but there are needs here as people come back. And so if that's you, again, we'll send that information this week. But you can also head to the back and talk to Jess Reckner about greeting. You can talk to Tom about visual stuff. And you can talk to Andrew about uh, audio. They are in need of some folks. So maybe you're technologically minded and you want to start there and see how God might use you. I want to encourage you. These are some immediate and significant needs that we have in the church, and God will be at work through you as you step into these uh, and start peddling. And so with that, I want to invite the worship team up to help us close out. I want to encourage you again. You are unrepeatable. You are unrepeatable. There is something that the Spirit of God has within you that he is stirring up that he wants to call out, that he wants to bless the world with. And I want to pray for you, that you will discern those things, that you will have the courage to take that risk and step out, and that we will also have the courage to call out the Spirit of God as he works through us in the congregation. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your spirit. Thank you that you are at work. Thank you that even now you are stirring within us the gifts of God. That you are prompting us, that you are moving us, that you are that you are at work. That you have something for us that no one else can do in the way that we can do it, God. Lord, help us to step into that invitation. Help us to meet you in that space. Help us to believe that you will meet us in that space. Give us your discernment, your wisdom, your strength, God. Give us courage. Give us accountability, God, that we would not just let this slip by, but that we would enter into all that you have for us. Because God, no one, none of us can even know what you have for us. It is beyond our knowing. This is the mystery of you at work in us. Bring it forward, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Let's just rise and sing together. You unravel me. With a melody, you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies. Till
sharing another hand. That was a beautiful message. The Holy Spirit takes us from division to unity through and by love. But notice one thing that she didn't say. She didn't say that he takes us to sameness. Unity is not sameness. And so this is not a time for you to compare yourself to other people and say, well, this is how it looks like in that person, so it must be wrong as it's being demonstrated through me. It's going to look different through you than it looks through your neighbor. We all have gifts. Every one of us have gifts, but they will look different. God has crafted you uniquely. 
And so sometimes we need other people to kind of speak into that. And so if you need someone to help you as you go through this journey of discerning what that looks like, I want to ask the prayer team to come up on my right. And you can come up and have prayer. You can have someone speak that out of you and give you that courage. But there's another thing that I want you to note, just going along with the bicycle analogy here. There's a reason why you do not see training wheels on larger bikes. Training wheels are safety for young children to give them confidence. But the problem is, if you keep training wheels on a child's bike too long, they become so fearful that they do not want to learn how to ride a bicycle. Fear grips them. So while, as Pastor Sharon said, we were waiting and we want to discern and we're seeing what God is saying to us, do not allow yourself to sit so long because fear will grip you. And before you know it, you spend so much time thinking about, I'm going to fail. This is going to go wrong. I'm going to fall. I'm going to make a mistake. I'm going to be embarrassed. People are going to laugh at me. All of those things. And guess what? Half of them may come true. I guarantee you're going to make a mistake. I guarantee you're going to fail. But you get back on the bike. You get back on the bike. This is the Holy Spirit of God. If he has given you something, do you not believe that he will see it accomplished in you? Brothers and sisters, it's not so much about us. It really isn't. It's about him. He deposited, God himself deposited this gift in you. The only thing you need to do is trust him enough to get back on the bike and try again. Well, I was my last church, it went bad. I get it. I get it. And that can be true. You still get back on the bike. Get back up. Because this is not just, we're not, as Pastor Sharon said, look, you know, this is not just about us getting people to do stuff. You need to do stuff for your own development and opportunity to see God work in your life, these are opportunities for you. When you're in next-gen ministries and you're sitting there with those kids, are they gonna drive you crazy every week? Of course they are. They're kids. I was in next-gen for years, I volunteered. They're kids, they're gonna drive you crazy. And at the same time, you're gonna learn so much from those kids, you will be, it will blow your mind. There are opportunities that we don't see sometimes because we, there are so many things that we need to peel off our, our minds and just trust God and where he's going. So when you get that email this week, the one thing I'm going to ask you to do, when you see it, don't just kind of shove it into, you know, don't just shove it into the spam, into the trash. I know, yeah, I know. You guys get our new life email. I didn't ever get any email. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know, we know. All I'm going to ask is that you open the email and just pray. That's it. If you are willing to just do that, that's all we're asking. Open the email and say, God, is this for me? And whatever way that turns out, excellent. Can we all do that? 
we'll just trust God. So if you um, also, um, for those of you that are here right now, and some of you I know, I know for a fact, there are people in this room that are hearing this, they heard this sermon, and there's still this like, I don't really even understand what this Jesus talk is about. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know what this relationship you're talking about. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to ask you to take a chance and a risk and to text yes to Jesus. Text to 718-424-0122. And within the next couple of days, one of our pastors will reach out to you. There's nothing to fear. No one's going to force you into anything, but you'll be able to ask some questions and find out what it looks like to have a relationship with this Jesus that we're talking about. And then after service, for those of you online, we have a sermon discussion. You can feel free to join in and talk about what you've heard today. Um, answer any, um, any things that are inside of you. Maybe you want to you wanna speak into someone else's life um, in that sermon discussion. Please join us. You'll see the link on the platforms, whichever one you are on. So I'm going to ask you to open your hands. I'm going to pray for us all. Um, and again, please hear this from all of us. This is no, we are not trying to push you into anything that's ill-fitting, but we are trying to push you into the arms of God. We are trying to push you there in a very gentle but truthful way because we know God has more for each and every one of us if we just trust him just a little bit more. So brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, yes, you, each and every one of you, you're a son or a daughter of the living God. How awesome is that? I pray that his Holy Spirit would commune with you, speak to you, guide you, give you courage, give you confidence, give you a new vision for your life, for yourself, for those around you, draw you closer into himself, and of all things, give you peace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.